the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show seven days a week from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, myself, Bully Ray, and Tommy Dreamer get into your new NXT Tag Team Champions. And what's Braun Breaker's future on the main roster? Is it with his fellow champion, Baron Corbin? We talk about it right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Also, from AEW, right before his big matchup with Adam Copeland, to see who's going to be the number one contender for Christian Cage's TNT Championship, Daniel Garcia joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Daniel Garcia, who joins us here. How are you, sir? And thank you so much for the time. Man, thank you for having me. I feel great. I feel ready going into tonight. I feel... Uh... Pretty excited, maybe a little bit nervous, but I think I'm prepared for it. Okay. Now, before we get into Dynamite tonight, before we get into the match tonight, obviously it's Valentine's Day. Hopefully a lot of happy couples are going to AEW Dynamite. Hopefully you see some couples there in the audience. Um, I, I admitted, Daniel, I got to admit, um, I said on the show, so I might as well say it to you, um, okay. I'm not watching Dynamite until tomorrow morning. Tonight's one of those guaranteed nights for me. It's very rare. So Valentine's Day is one of those nights. Plus, I don't want to watch Dynamite and then my wife sees you on the TV. That doesn't do anything for me. So I'll be the first one to admit I'll be watching your match tomorrow morning before Busted Open. But to, to you, sir, and I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that their wrestling crush is you sir so happy valentine's day hey thank you i appreciate that and maybe best thing you're not watching tonight i would hate to interfere in the happy marriage on uh on valentine's day especially in your entrance you're shaking those hips i mean i can't (laughs) i can't have that i can't have that but what if he interfered inadvertently so dave what happens you said tonight is a guaranteed night what happens if violetta asks you to do the garcia dance the hips don't uh, lie. Listen, hey, I can probably, you do it for us right now? I'm not going to do oh, it that's right a good now. Idea. I'm not going to do it right now. I'll save it. I'll save it for tonight. I'll save our it for guest, tonight. Our guest would like to see it. You got to please the guest. Sir, this is a radio show, not a TV show. I don't want to. Yeah, but like... it's, we're on Zoom. We can release the video for later, and the millions and millions <laughs> of Dave LaGreca fans can watch it. Yeah. Do you want me to and do I can it watch fa- it in my personal time? Uh, you know what? That's we'll we'll move on. Let's let's get into the match that's happening. I'm sorry, I don't. Fine. How about the next time? Right. Here we go. We got Here we go. Can't do All it. Right. Come on, get the music going. Get the music going. All right, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> my contacts just dried out. Ugh. Hey, you oh, asked man. for it. You asked for it. I get- Sir, Daniel, you asked for it. You're the guest. I had to do it. So there you go. Man, I think we got to loosen up those hips, buddy. You got to start doing some yoga or something like that. Yeah, well, You know what? At 52, I'm lucky I'm even able to get out of the chair. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, all right. Number one contenders match, big match, great setup. You and Adam Copeland talk about this matchup, but just talk about stepping into the ring with someone like Adam Copeland. 
man, he's a lot taller than I thought he was going to be. He's a, he's a tall dude uh, in more ways than one. You know, he's somebody who I never imagined just because the way his career went, my youngness compared with his age, I never thought he would ever be on a bucket list thing for me to wrestle ever. There are some people who I, you know, I thought would be hard for me to achieve to be able to wrestle, but there are people who I never even considered. And uh, Adam Copeland is one of those people that I never even considered I was ever going to step in the ring with. But, uh, you know, by the grace of God, by the grace of modern science, he's able to wrestle again. And um, I get to step in the ring with him and test my medal against one of the greatest of all time. Nervous at all? Um, I'd be lying if I if I was to say that I wasn't nervous. I think uh, stepping in the ring at all in big main event moments, I feel like I'm always nervous. Whether it's against Wheeler Yuta, whether it's against uh, somebody that I've known for years, or whether it's against a legend. Um, being able to prove yourself in front of that many people on that big of a stage is always a little bit nerve-wracking. But I feel, I don't feel as nervous, any more nervous than I would against anybody else. I know it's a, I know it's a big moment, but I know that I always rise for the big moments. And this is another big one I'm going to rise for tonight. I mean, I would agree. We've, we've pretty much watched your career grow up on television. Uh, You have been very, very blessed, but you really do step up when you are in that main event pitcher. Uh, Would you say tonight, and you've, you've already listed some, but I mean, I've watched you and like, man, I didn't think this kid could hang. And then he blows all my expectations. Would you say tonight is the biggest match you've ever had? Or would, is there someone else where, you know, you were like that at that moment was the biggest, man. I've had some big ones in the moment. Um, main event with Mox at the, uh, the first show in LA at the forum was pretty right. big main event with Mox at the, the Rampage where CM Punk debuted was a big deal. Um, my little match series I had with Brian, each one of those felt bigger and bigger and bigger. But this one, I think because of the implications that the match has, um, it's number one contenders match for a title at AEW. And also, it's matching up with this kind of rise that I'm on, where now I feel like before, people didn't really expect much out of me. Like you said, um, I was in a position where I could shock people. Now I'm in a position where people do expect a certain level of um, not greatness, but a certain level of match quality and a certain level of um, uh, just a, 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 there's a standard to my wrestling now. And I feel like people have expectations. Now I feel like I kind of have to meet those expectations. I'm not somebody who's going to shock people anymore. People know what they're going to get. So now I got to try to set the bar higher than what they think they're going to get. That makes sense. Yeah. You talked about your expectations as a wrestler, but ever since you incorporated, you know, your dance into your, you know, your shtick, your routine, do you think there's also a certain level of entertainment that the fans come to expect from you? Definitely. I think, uh, you know, watching Daniel Garcia wrestle, I think it's an all immersive experience. I think you're going to get, you're going to get everything that you want. You're going to get a little bit of funny. You're going to get, some serious stuff. You're going to get uh, basically everything that you could ask for out of a genre of, of professional wrestling, out of sports entertainment. So I feel like uh, there definitely is a level of entertainment that people think they're going to get when they're watching. Uh, go ahead, Tommy. No, I was going to say, um, I feel, did you learn that being in the Jericho group? Because to kind of like how to stand out, because we were discussing that earlier about wrestlers standing out because you did, you, you, you knew what you could do wrestling wise, but you've stood out as simple as, and how did that come about the whole dance thing? But um, 
did you learn that through hanging out in that group? Because those are some heavy, heavy characters. Yeah, I think, um, you know, everybody just wants to be a good wrestler. I feel like I'm a good wrestler. But the not a problem. It's a great thing about AEW and professional wrestling now is that everybody's a great wrestler. You know, everybody can do really cool things. Everybody can put on very entertaining matches. And especially when you're in one group with, you know, a lot of people and those people happen to be former world champions and people who are super entertaining, like uh, 2.0, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, and then beautiful women like Anna Jay and Tay Conti and somebody who does crazy flips like Sandy Guevara. When you're in a group with those people, you kind of have to do something to stand out. And, you know, nobody ever came to me and told me, like, hey, you should start dancing. It's just kind of something that naturally came about. Like, all great things in wrestling seem to come from just, like, little inside jokes that you end up doing on TV and they end up catching on. And um, I think being with those guys, the greatest gift they have gave me was the confidence to try. Um, like I said, they didn't tell me, hey, you should start dancing. But I saw them doing kind of outlandish things and things that, I would be scared to try myself in front of a million people on national television and thousands of people in an arena. And I thought, you know what? If they're not scared to fail, I shouldn't be scared to fail either. Let me step out of the box, out of my comfort zone, and let's see what comes from it. You know, Daniel, what does it feel like for you? And you've had some great matches, and I want to actually go over a couple of them, especially ones that you've had recently. But how does it feel for you to just be in the main event, you know, with your career in AEW? You're going up against a legend and Adam Copeland, but you're also in the main event of the show. How does that feel for you? To me, it feels great. I told Tony, I said it in a press conference in front of everybody at the World's End pay-per-view, last pay-per-view of the year. That was my first pay-per-view match in months at AEW. And before the content of Classic, like I said, I wasn't, um, I wasn't getting a ton of opportunity. I was kind of stuck in a little bit of a limbo period. And I told Tony at that press conference, I want to be somebody that he can build around and I want to be somebody that can be invested in as a main feature and a main act on the show. And I feel like that's what I've been able to do over the past couple of months. I've showed that I am somebody that people can invest into and invest their time and their emotions into. And um, I feel like whenever I'm in the main event, it feels like a culmination, a mini culmination of, of that investment. Daniel, um, spending time with Chris Jericho, I'm sure you've learned a lot of things. But is there any one thing that particularly sticks out to you that's at the forefront of your mind every night you go out there? Yeah, like I said earlier, um, you know, everybody remembers Jericho for the great things that he has, that he has gotten to stick, like catchphrases, poses, uh, innovating new moves. And I feel like, like I said, he never told me, hey, you should do this, you should do that. He's a very someone who lets you figure it out on your own. And I'm very grateful for that. I feel like at first I kind of wanted him to take me by the hand and tell me to do this or that. But the more I was with him, the more I figured, um, I figured out things by myself. And like I said, he gave me the confidence to want to try new things. Because all, for all the things that Jericho has done and has stuck on, there's just as many, if not more, that he's tried and maybe was like a little bit of a flop. And, you know, but he still keeps trying and trying and trying. And I feel like if Chris Jericho can put himself out there and step out of his comfort zone and something not come to his full visualization of what he thought it was going to be, who am I to not step out of my comfort zone and try something? And if it flops, it flops. But if it's great, it's great. That's the biggest thing he taught me.
was the dancing outside of your comfort zone uh outside of my comfort zone on a from a character standpoint on a wrestling television show out of my comfort zone for real life no not really okay uh if i could just correct you for a second you're not a great professional wrestler you're an excellent professional wrestler and when i say that it's because of all the other things you've encompassed i believe i first saw you on indies and then uh again i i grew up watching you on television like our entire audience but like all the things you're incorporating even in listening to your interview you are a great spokesperson for aew and i get it you're hungry but you made me during your matches feel for you because i i've i've seen millions of wrestlers out there but I was just like, and you heard it from the audience when they wanted you to respond to them. Sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't, like shaking Daniel Bryan's hand. Um, that was a big thing. I'm sorry, uh, Brian Danielson, shaking his hand. Uh, they just wanted it, but that's what you do in telling those stories with your matches. So, again, it's also the quality of competition that makes us all better, and you really, really have stepped up. Uh the other part of this is you said about Edge being a bucket list. Do you have bucket list wrestlers that you still want to face? Man, uh, I feel like I've knocked out pretty much everybody at AEW that I would like to wrestle. Um, there are some rumors of Okada and Osprey coming in. I would love to step in the ring against them. I feel like I've had a lot of uh, very good American-style um tv and pay-per-view matches but i feel like i would like to feel what one of those like tokyo dome main event matches feel like i just want to see how i will respond in a situation like that maybe when you're like 25 minutes into a match you're exhausted and okada is still holding you by the wrist and trying to take your head off with a rainmaker i want to see how i would respond in a situation like that that's amazing and you know tommy mentioned shaking how many requests do you get from people about you doing your dance? I mean, because I know, I, I can only imagine Thunder Rosa probably every time she sees you, ask you to shake your hips, right? Yeah, I mean, so kind of like a funny story. Like, if you guys are familiar with the New Japan, like, Young Lion system, they strip new wrestlers down to the bare bones. They make them wear very plain gear. They make them do very plain moveset. So you have to get over on your wrestling. And when I first started wrestling, I kind of stripped myself down to a bare bones version of a wrestler. I wore very plain gear. I did very basic moves because I knew it would make people have to invest in me as a person and not just care about the moves that I did. And um, the farther my career went in AEW, the more I started to step outside of that. I started wearing the, the leather pants. I started doing the dance. But when I was doing kind of like the um, the very basic things, people would always come up to me. And the first thing that people would say to me was, you know, oh, oh, you're such a good wrestler. I love your wrestling. And I think that's because I'm not like a very like physically commanding person. I'm not very big. I have like a very basic haircut. I have like a plain looking face. Um, so the first thing that people would notice about me in ring was the wrestling. Now, I never get that anymore. It's never, oh, you're such a good wrestler. Now it's, oh, yo, I love that dance. You do the dance for me, da-da-da. Which, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like it can be a little hit to your pride. You kind of feel like a one-hit wonder a little bit. But I know it's part of the game. I know, uh, I know I'm a good wrestler, and I know that the dance is just a very good complementary piece to it. It's like a little crouton in the saddle. Daniel, one of the things that I always like to speak with fellow wrestlers about um, 
is where they feel that they can improve. I love people who are introspective, who can look themselves in the mirror and go, okay, here's where you need to get better. Short term, where do you want to improve? Is it on the microphone? Is it uh, the way you conduct yourself backstage? Is it with your in-ring ability? Where can Daniel Garcia improve overnight? Man, I think a couple of the biggest things I have to work on is one, I know I'm skinny. Not skinny. I I know I'm not... uh in good enough, in good wrestler shape, like huge. Uh, Are you talking about a cosmetic thing? Like it's a cosmetic yeah. business. Yes, you should have a yes. certain look. Okay. Yes. I, I know I'm in good shape. I could go wrestle for two hours and be fine. You know, uh, I know I'm not jacked. Um, and I'm, not that I want to be Hulk Hogan or anything, but um, I would like to get in a little bit better shape for uh, TV purposes. I work with, uh, started working with Cesar Bonani this new year. He uh, works with a lot of people at AEW. He's a very good personal trainer and nutritionist. So I feel like that's one thing I like to work on. And when I got to AEW, I really worked hard on backstage promos and sit-down interviews. That was something that I really worked on. And now the more that I do in-ring promos, I realize that that's a lot different from sit-down interviews. And uh, you have to kind of adapt your game between those two things. So I would like to get more opportunities to do live promos in-ring because that's something I would like to work on as well. You know, speaking of in the ring, when you look at the opponents that you've had in AEW, so different, like a variety of different wrestlers. You talk about going up against an Adam Copeland tonight, but the last match you had on Collision with Shane Taylor. How difficult is it to, every on a weekly basis, go up against somebody that's so different in not only style, but size? Honestly, it doesn't feel that different, but I think that's because of my wrestling style. I picked and chose my wrestling style to be able to adapt to different sizes and experience levels. And so basically, I feel like I could wrestle anybody on any given night. And that's definitely by design. So I could wrestle Shane Taylor on Saturday and Adam Copeland on Wednesday and then Lee Moriarty on Friday. I feel like my style is very adaptive and that's definitely by design. You have a favorite match so far? Ooh, I, the one with Mox at the forum holds a special place in my heart. It was just like a hot, like hard, uh, gritty match. And the, the energy in that building was insane. It felt like I was fighting in a coliseum in front of gladiators and lions. That match is definitely special to me. You seem to have a good chemistry with everybody that you work with. I'm not asking you to name names, but is there anybody that you didn't have chemistry with in the ring? Yeah, I think there are people I haven't had chemistry with. And I think that's, um, you know, back in the day when you would wrestle people every single night and you develop chemistry. And now in the business, because we don't have house shows and we only have TV shows, a lot of the times you're wrestling these people and touching them. It's for the first time ever on TV. You know, like nobody, like everybody always says, oh, I want to see this first time ever match. I promise you really don't want to see a first time ever match. You want to see these people after they've wrestled a hundred times on the road and figure out each other's time and figure out what's, what works best for them. That's when you want to see two people wrestle. Um, but a lot of the time that's not possible just through the scheduling. So tonight I'll be touching uh, Adam for the first time ever. And uh, let's see how our chemistry is. Pa- part of me likes that pressure. You know, it's live. It's our first time ever locking up. Like you don't know what you're going to get. And that kind of gets me excited. It truly is the art of working, which is a dying art form. Yeah. Not a question, but just a statement to back up what you were saying. <laughs> well, D- Daniel, I'm looking forward to tonight. Uh, 
the number one contendership for the TNT title held by Christian Cage, you and Adam Copeland in the main event on AEW Dynamite on TBS. And you've been killing it on Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision on Saturday nights. And, man, have a great night. Good luck to you. And thank you so much for giving us the time on game day. Appreciate that. Thank you, man. Don't don't let your girl see me doing the dance, though. Not today. Not today. Well, listen, whatever gets it done, Daniel, I'm at the time. You know what I'm saying? 52 years old. It's one of the few guaranteed nights I have from the year. So whatever gets it done, that's what's going to happen, Daniel. So if you're yes, if you if you're a part of a, a small part of that to help make that happen. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you. Now it's gotten weird. There you have it. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Welcome to our everyday three hours a day, Daniel. The Busted Open Podcast is now available on YouTube. This is Dave LaGreca, host of Busted Open, the number one pro wrestling show on the planet. You can now watch and listen to the award-winning Busted Open Podcast every single day on YouTube. Our best interviews, behind-the-scenes access, and some of our best content from the past. All available right now when you go to youtube.com slash at busted open podcast subscribe right now i gotta tell you i was surprised tommy that Braun breaker and baron corbin won those tag team championships i mean we've been seeing Braun breaker on the main roster wanting and struggling with the decision on whether he wants to go to smackdown or monday night raw i i honestly didn't see that championship win coming last night what about you I did not either. Um, I thought it was an interesting matchup. I thought something was going to happen. There was going to be a run-in by something something or somebody, or this would be how they get rid of, and by get rid of, write them off television, would be a loss, or Baron yeah. Corbin turns on them. Uh, it, it will be interesting because, yes, they are teasing Braun Breaker. They're teasing Braun Breaker across both platforms of you know Raw SmackDown. And obviously, he's going to be positioned as a higher-up acquisition. Um, does this now mean that this is also how Baron Corbin gets on the main roster? I mean, that's an interesting thing as well. Here's a guy who left the main roster because they weren't really doing much with him. And by left, I mean came down there and really contributed, has gotten himself back to being over. Um, different writing team, different people behind him uh, casting out all the old gimmicks. I mean, I've loved what Baron Corbin's done. If that Baron Corbin can be brought to fruition back on the main roster and with this current, uh, you know, him and Braun would be cool. Um, Don't know if they're going to go up there as the tag champions. We have seen that with the women's tag titles and they kind of got lost. Literally. I haven't seen them since. So hopefully, um, we, if it's going to happen, I mean, it's also cool if they go up there with a push, they're on the main roster, and then Baron could turn on them, or vice versa, if uh, Braun can turn. But I think Braun's going to be, I loved babyface Braun. I really did. Heel, heel Braun was great too, but I think he's, the fans are really going to enjoy him. What he did, even that taste of him in the Rumble, got people excited about his work. I think it's a travesty that Baron Corbin was ever sent down to NXT. The only uh, the only uh, 
bright spot about Baron being sent down there is how much he's been able to help the other talent be elevated. Baron Corbin did not do one thing on the main roster that ever made me believe he should have been, and I'm not going to say demoted or sent down to, but be be shifted over to NXT. Everything Baron Corbin did on the main roster, he did extremely well. Agreed. There is not one match that Baron Corbin ever had in which he was not the definitive heel and had a stellar match with, with whoever his opponent was. And no matter what hand they dealt him, no matter what he had, even, even to the point where JBL crapped all over him and basically walked away from him. Baron Corbin did well with everything. And this is where creative sometimes can damage a talent. Now, what, Unless they have, Tommy just talked about Baron being called back up to the main roster. You better make sure you have something really strong for him. Because if you bring him back up to the main roster and you invest a month in him and then then you just drop it, he's going to he's gonna look like crap again. He's gonna he's gonna have a bad perception in fans' eyes. Corbin can be a heel or a babyface. I love the the stuff when Baron Corbin was like on Skid Row and he was trying to you know you know, borrow a dollar here or there or whatever they had him doing. I thought that they should have run with that a little bit more. Like you know, the guy that's down on his luck needs some help. Somebody should have took him under his wing and helped him back. Like, can you guys think of anything that Corbin did where you could say? Well, you know what, Bully, he uh he probably needs some polish here or there, and you know, he deserved to to be uh you know shifted over to NXT. No, absolutely not. Tommy, I'm sure you would agree. I mean, he excelled at everything, but at the same time, I'm kind of torn because I feel like the best work we've seen from Baron Corbin is now with NXT. Like I feel like, you know, I'm I wasn't crazy about some of the positions they put Baron Corbin in. The Baron Corbin I've always wanted to see is the Baron Corbin we've seen over the last six months in NXT. So I'm kind of torn about that. Do you enjoy him more? I'm sorry, T- Tommy, Dave, do you guys enjoy Baron Corbin more as a baby face or a heel? I like him more as a heel. I like him more as a heel too, but this current Baron is really cool. entertaining. Yep. Um, if you really want to get him over, especially in NXT, you could always have Braun come. Hey, guy. Hey, bro. I talked to them. They want to call you up. And he's like, you know what? I'm happy here. I've already been there. You go enjoy it. We're still partners. I'm choosing NXT to stay here. He'll be the biggest baby face amongst that little crowd and really, really help the brand. Um, because like Bully said, if they don't have good creative for him, then what? You know, uh, it's almost like been there, done that. And I'm very, very happy where I'm at. And he should be. Um I do feel he's a he's a better heel. I liked his darker character when he first came up, but that was a long time ago. Um, there's also, and Dave, you know, you and I were kind of like jaw dropped a long time ago when we interviewed Greg Valentine. And he was just like, I had a deal with Vince Sr. and the Crockett's. I would just bounce back and forth one year. And why? It kept him fresh. There's sometimes talents, you know, we even like joked about it a lot where we would say we need people to go to Portland where it means you need to go away for a while 
So when you come back, you're even hotter. That was part of the territory system. Hey, even though you're over, let's just get you. It's time to leave. But this is why it's interesting right now with Baron Corbin and what we're seeing with Braun Breaker. Every that's why time the finish see- was so interesting to your point. Yeah, yes, because Braun Breaker, when we've seen him and he's getting courted by both Raw and SmackDown, both want to try to grab Braun Breaker because they know what a big star he can be on the main roster. None of those conversations and none of those appearances have anything to do with Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin wasn't with Braun Breaker when he was talking to Nick Aldis on SmackDown, and he wasn't with Adam Pearce when he was talking to him on Monday Night Raw. Like, Baron Corbin has nothing to do with this. That's why I thought for sure, like you just said, Tommy, they were going to lose that match. There was going to be heat between Baron and Braun, which there was before they started having tag success, and that was a a perfect way to kind of break up the team and have Braun move on to the main roster. Now I don't know what they do because they, they're they not courting uh, Baron Corbin. They're courting ba- uh, Braun. So I'm very interested to see what happens, possibly even as soon as Friday night on SmackDown. And there's a big difference. You could totally tell now that, the WWE universe is watching all their shows. You cannot look at it how it used to be with like, if it was OVW or deep South or even like younger NXT that they're going to call these talents up and they could change their names or the fans aren't going to know who they, who they are. If you look at trick Williams uh, appearance the night before the rumble, where is all of trick Williams greatest stuff NXT. And he got a reaction Like, how do you know this guy? Because we watch NXT. Same with Braun Breaker. You cannot just say he's an unknown person because when he shows up finally in the Royal Rumble, they're into all of his stuff. So you have to be careful with that. But it's Mm -hmm. like I said, it's a very, very interesting story that you now have to tell because of the situation that you had. When they called up the NXT champions, the the tag female tag team champions, it was like, where are they going to go? They don't have tag team champions. And then they just kind of like went away. They faded out. Yep. And if it was that by purpose to get rid of the tag titles is one thing, but like unify them, do something. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool story to also tell specifically within NXT. And like I said, you could go one or two ways with it but you have to be careful because you can't have something where Braun Breaker's on Raw and then he's supposed to wrestle on NXT and you go the route where like my partner's not here he's he's been delayed or stuck due to weather if you're pushing Braun Breaker as a babyface on Raw because a babyface would be there um it's just how you handle it is very very key exactly what Bully said on the same side brought with um Baron Corbin, if he gets called up, but then on the same side, if you want people to believe in this very, very popular act in NXT, how you handle the creative for both. It's the same as if they call somebody up and they do nothing with them. You know, it's like, oh, I got called up and now I'm doing nothing. Do you guys think that Braun has true upper echelon top of the food chain main event potential on the main roster. I do. I'm talking like the top, top. I do. I also think uh, Baron is the one that could also help 
get him to that quicker than most. Dave? I, I, I definitely do. But I'm very interested on what they do and how they debut Braun Breaker because because Bully, like we're saying, they're tag champs on NXT. So is is Braun going to be a singles wrestler on the main roster and tagging with Baron on NXT? Or are they going to bring both Braun and Baron up to the main roster where they're defending the NXT Tag Team Championships on the main roster? I'm, I'm interested because I, I actually would love it if Braun is a singles wrestler on the main roster but then is tagging with Baron on NXT where it's almost like two different Braun Breakers. Because, again, they haven't said anything about Baron Corbin on the main roster. Fair enough. I just wanted to know if you got I'm, – I'm still 50-50 with Braun. I love Braun in NXT. I just don't know what they're going to do with his personality. Do they allow him to embrace the Steiner personality? The, the you know, the the, the – the crazy Rick Steiner version, you know, like, like, like Braun at times reminds me of his dad back in the day when he carried the dead fly in the jar, you know, Spike, he thought Spike was alive and he'd be shaking the jar. And then, you know, with, with, with the talents that his, uh, you know, that his uncle has Scott Steiner, like, do you embrace the whole Steiner thing or do you try to build Baron, uh, not Baron Braun in a completely different way? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know now in this new generation of the WWE if you just move on from that and give him his own individual personality. But he, he just he just reeks of his father and his uncle, especially when he speaks. Like, it's impossible for me not to think about Rick and Scott when I see and hear Braun. Like, but, when I hear and see Cody, I know he's completely different than Dustin or his dad. Like, when Braun is in front of me, when he and especially when he speaks, I, it's like, I'm like, oh, my God, it's his father. Oh, my God, it's his uncle. But there's also a whole generation of people that not don't know who they are. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's true. I think he's he's established himself that, like, yes, I mean, that's also his name is different. Um, he's not like you know Braun Steiner. Um, Braun Steiner is a good name. Braun Steiner. I mean, yeah. and there's a group of fans that were upset when they didn't give him Correct. the Steiner name. But now at this point, I feel like you'd be taking a step backwards, embracing that because he's done so well. There's there's a ton of fans that don't even know that he's a Steiner. Like they they sacrilege, they just, but they just know him. Look what's going on with with. Uh, Brian Pillman Jr. They completely changed his name. He's completely separated himself from his dad. And I don't think people are upset about that. I feel like it's, I think Tommy's right. I think there's a whole generation of fans that don't know. I know it is. I, I understand what you're saying, Bully. It is sacrilege for us. But for people under the age of 35, I don't think they they really care. I, I Dude, I agree with you. I, I, I'm yeah. just... Most of this stuff is just like what I see, what I hear. Um, and, I, and I hope nothing but the best for him. I'm just not sure how they're going to get there with him. And slow and steady wins the race. So. Yeah. 
Busted Open is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream the podcast. Catch the full three hours of Busted Open every day of the week at 9 a.m. Eastern on SiriusXM Fight Nation, channel 156. Go to SiriusXM.com backslash Busted Open Trial to start your free trial today.